we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Harvey Risch, Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at Yale School of Public Health. Today, we're continuing our weekly series with various thoughtful and interesting people. We usually talk about science and medicine and COVID topics, but really, that's only a starting point for where we could go in conversation. If listeners have questions for me, please submit them at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. I'm really very happy today to introduce today's guest, Mr. Christopher Messina, who is an entrepreneur and market-focused executive with deep international experience in global capital markets, critical minerals mining, commodities trading, trading, national security, and financial technologies. Christopher is the host of the Messy Times podcast, which arose from his citizen activity engaged with public pandemic policy, and he has been statistically analyzing and writing about the Wuhan virus hysteria, or COVID hysteria, since early in the pandemic, February of 2020. So, Chris, let's begin. What have you been thinking about lately? Oh, well, I'm fairly well focused on the fact that uh, the only, and this is this 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 is a, a cautionary tale, the only remotely positive thing that has emerged from the war in Israel, or you know, the start of World War III, is that uh, we finally tore the cover off what many of us have known for years is the simmering leftist Jew hatred uh, going on in the country uh, and around the world. Um, and it has been there. It's been simmering for a long time. Uh, and when October 7th happened, uh, in my opinion, because the Iranians saw the Israelis and Saudis making friends, and that was just, that's existential for them, right? That the only Shia kingdom or you know, totalitarian regime finally pushed out uh, by the the, you know, the the keeper of the two holy holy cities and mosques, and then that's with the Israelis on their side. But, but that's that's so bizarre because they think that Israel is a pipsqueak with no power. They think Saudi Arabia is a pipsqueak with no power. So what would two pipsqueaks, you know, aligning together do against the great and mighty Iranian? Yeah, Israel? well, they've been proven not to be so great and mighty, have haven't they? Uh, first off. Um, you know, the, the Barry Hussein Soratora administration tried desperately to give the mullahs a nuke. He gave them billions of dollars, and his uh, acolyte, uh, Joe Biden, has followed suit, um, literally handing over pallets of cash to these maniacs who have done nothing since they took Americans hostage during their lovely revolution, do nothing but kill American Jews and Jews around the world whenever they can. So... I don't um I don't say this lightly and I kind of wish it weren't true but having read uh, Churchill's Second World War um, three times in 30 years so I feel that's somewhat of an achievement um this to me is is the spark this is World War three and when it ends Hamas will be gone Hezbollah will be gone every single Islamist jihadist party cult of death will be gone including the mullahs in Iran many many things will change many countries that that look look a certain way today will no longer. Uh, I just think there's no way that anything prevents this becoming another massive global conflagration. I, I honestly, I could see that happening, but I don't think it's likely. Wow. Okay. I, I don't. I think that the 
Iranians want to stay in power, they're they are less. I, I think that you know Islam has this fatalism in it to a certain degree that people and, and their hatreds, their 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 canonized scriptural hatred of Jews and and other non-Muslims, um, that makes them think that becoming martyrs, you know, by killing Jews is their lifetime goal, but. Not everybody does it, obviously. So, well, only the and not everybody that... thinks it either. I mean, it's, it's right. It's, but it's, so... I would make this point because it is, it is this is really actually very important. Because I do a huge amount of work in the Islamic world. I work, I work in a lot of Muslim countries. Ninety-five percent of the people I meet are people trying to live their lives, raise their kids, much like. And a good friend of mine in Saudi actually years ago said this beautifully. Very religious man. Um, and he said the one thing that that uh, Islam has never had, that kind of both Judaism and Christianity have had, is a kind of a reformation. I have said that myself many times. Well, you got so it. Islam has had Islam has had two reformations. The first reformation was between the jihadis and the navel gazers. That there was a there was a a competing belief system as to whether jihad was personal. This is why they could say this now, because there was a competing system of personal fulfillment in Islam as opposed to worldwide domination. And the worldwide domination won that that battle. Uh, this was, I think, about 300 years ago. And and then you have the, the Baha'is, who are what I would call reform Islam. You know the their universalist Islam. Yeah, well, I, the, that's a long topic. The Baha'is are, are are evil apostates, according to the Muslims. They don't I understand them. that, and I they're know Baha'is, and I know their descendants, and I know their whole structure, and yeah. I know their theology, and I, I've, I've read and, and so on. Um, yeah. and, but 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 right. So you know that would be like the Catholic Church maintaining that the Protestants are evil, whatever, the same way. Right. You know, eventually they made their peace with it after a fashion. And, but it's also in Judaism we don't take things literally anymore. When was the last time you were invited to go to a stoning after synagogue? <laughs> like, no, no, we don't allow stonings on Shabbat. Right, exactly. <laughs> There's no stonings on Shabbat. But you know, a lot of those things that get worked out uh, in Talmud about is an eye for an eye really actually about plucking someone's eye out, or is it looking for equivalent recompense for a crime committed? Right. Right. That 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 sort of conversation was fat. I was I, I was I was privileged to be present for a fascinating conversation just about this in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia with everyone else everyone else at the table but me was was Muslim um and it was a fascinating conversation it was it was a similar sort of argumentation as you would get into a Talmudic dispu uh, disputation it was just you know well I'm quoting this hadith and I think it has more um, validity than another one, and therefore the reasoning behind it. And so, watching people work that out theologically, of course, that's that was a lovely evening full of people who were having trying to have just a, a, a conversation. Um, but back to where we are, and I think I, this is my point about why I think we're at the brink of World War Three. Is this is not nine eleven to the Israelis? This was Pearl Harbor. It is Pearl Harbor. The, Jap the Japanese completely misunderstood what was going to happen by what they did. Similarly, the Iranians completely misunderstood this impact. It is so awful in scale, the Israelis will do nothing but end Hamas, period. They will most likely do it with America as allies, but they will do it. 
There's nothing going to stop them. There is well, no. So there will be some leakage. Some of the Hamas people will leak out as as if they are there. Yeah. You know, but but by and large, that is that is true. Yeah. That's and and Islamic Jihad also. Yeah, and and so it it cannot but increase until the people of Gaza who want Hamas gone rise up similarly as the people in Iran who are tired of these crazy old men whose main sport seems to be shooting pretty girls who show an inch of hair in public, right? It's yeah. insanity. And eventually enough, and Iran has had a couple of attempts, even since Obama, to try to throw these maniacs off. And I think they're going to be at the breaking point, and someone is going to provide them weapons. And when that happens, it's going to be a, it's going to be a war within Iran. That civil war, much like the civil war that happened in the Ottoman Empire during World War One, similar idea. People are going to look for opportunity. Um, the the Hezbollah fired a couple of rockets about eight days ago. A bunch of Israeli jets scrambled straight towards on the way towards towards Lebanon to Beirut and towards Tehran, and basically radioed, one more fucking missile comes this way, we start bombing Tehran. Like, we've got time for this. We're all in. We've got time for this. We're going to do it. So, so I think that it, this is there is no red line for Lebanon. I heard the military talk about this. It is instead they are going to be, for the time being, proportional. Meaning yeah. that, that since the uh, Hezbollah has been basically annoying in terms of military terms, the the IDF, the Israeli army, that the Israeli army is going to take out resources. And so there hasn't been any wholesale bombing of the south, of Beirut, of any of that stuff. That would happen if Hezbollah launched thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds right. of thousands of, the, of their rockets. Is And that is that would be the the start of of World War Three, and and the the fact that they're not doing it is because Iran is that that's what's protecting Iran from from Israel. That once that happens, then and and Israel deals with with Lebanon. There's nothing stopping Israel from going after Iran. And Never mind Israel, the the every every single military. Uh, as said, I know, especially special operations began mobilizing on October 10th. They're already there. I mean, there, there are two carrier groups sitting there. Even Biden, even Biden, I will praise the man I don't I don't respect very much when he does the right thing. Even Biden went on live TV and told the mullahs, this is coming to your doorstep. We're looking right past Hezbollah. We're looking right past your proxies. If this escalates, we're coming for you. And I, I just, I don't see, the reason I say the reason I say I think we're the steps of World War III is reading through Churchill repeatedly, it seems like at every step, while in theory there may have been a, a choice for a nation to make, in really, reality there wasn't a choice. And you just get the events pull you along. And I don't see how we pull back from the brink of this. I really don't. Well, Unless the Iranians give up their, their regime and walk away. I, I don't see Well, well no, that. but that's if, that's if each action by each country is a response in an plus an increment to the previous things. Yep. If each one feels compelled to have to respond, even the ones that instigated it. Yep. You know, th there comes a point where Iran would have to say, "We might." Well, well, first thing is, well, look, we lost our first oil refinery. We'd have three left. 
Yeah. You know, um, well, okay, Iran, you keep doing this and you'll keep losing your oil refineries. You Rain won't be able to everything. Yep. Got, Israel's got, got planes that can fly higher than, than you can shoot down and can, can drop bombs accurately within a few hundred feet or maybe a hundred feet or 50 feet or something from that height. And so, you know, you will lose those assets to your economy, not, you know, not just whatever you think that Israel's going to bomb. Yeah. Uh, and they're terrified now. They unleashed the demon. They they thought they were going to, they were going to do this the way they always did. They were going to kill some Jews. Then they were going to blanket the media with the poor guys and kids. Right. But like, it just backfired. And it's not going to work. One thing I've been gratified, switch gears slightly, um, Bill Ackman called for this, the private equity guy, uh, uh, Harvard idiots, the 30 groups, you know, signed this letter to support Hamas. And I wrote and I reached out to a bunch of friends in Silicon Valley, in finance, in tech. And I said, I, you know, I want, we're going to pull together what I call project accountability, calling the list, whatever. The idea being big data capture. You're out in public, you're chanting. We have river to the sea. We're, all that is captured on film. We're capturing that. Terrific. Facial recognition. Great. Data science. We're we'll just send it, it to the Chinese for the facial recognition. We already have it. Everyone's got it. So oh. now we're going to put that to use. And I don't want the government doing it. I get terrified when the government has lists. This is going to be like a private sector credit check. As Bill Ackman said, if I ever find out that I or a company I invested in hired one of these people, they're going to be fired instantly. So this is going to be one more layer and it's already, I'm seeing it spontaneously among people, like on Instagram, we're like, this idiot's tearing down these signs. Can we name him? So one one feather in the cap already, this moron, Kurush Mystery and his horrible wife were filmed on the Upper West Side, tearing down, you know, the, the posters of, of kidnapped Jewish children, being filmed. He's he's given the finger to the photographer who's it was, it was a Israeli. And she's mouthing it off at him and cursing him. And she's got a pronounced Indian accent. And when he's like, what country are you from? She's like, I'm from Palestine. It was ridiculous. It was like laughable. It sounded so ridiculous. Well, Kurush worked for a company that I knew. And he's now fired. Like magic. I don't know if it was my note or someone else's. But he thought he was being a real brave, Jew-hating guy on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, making a big statement. He got filmed. He got recognized. He lost his three hundred thousand dollar a year job just before bonus season. So yay, one for the team. And we're oh, he, now that. he's going to hate Jews even more. Great, good. Don't care. Now he's got a reason. Good. Don't because he didn't have one before. Now he's got one. That's Great. right. What if he thought recently? He would think if he thought intelligently, he would he would realize now I hate decent people who call me out for being a dirtbag, and that is it. If it's whack a mole, so be it. We will all de develop huge shoulders and biceps from whacking moles for the rest of our lives. But this can never happen again. Well, I agree with you. And I think that it's great to start off on, on these terms and to keep people engaged in doing this. Um, you know, it, it's true that you, the people who are the first to say you're keeping me from speaking, you're abridging my freedom to speak, are the ones who are going ripping down the signs, are, right. which is the freedom of speech of the people that, that they're saying, you know, they deserve freedom of speech from. And I, I find this particular act baffling. Like, it, 
I just don't get it. I mean, what's the point? I, I really, I really don't get it. Aside from being kind of offensive and obnoxious, my favorite tangentially are the people who started taping razor blades to the underside of these posters and they put them up. So when people go to take them off, they get cut. I love that. Oh, wow. But, but I mean, for me, as I, as I, as I've, I've said, it, part of what I think is so big, and I'm curious about your thoughts kind of being on a university campus. Um, the ignorance of history, the fact, the, the fact that you know this crap about like suddenly they care about Palestine. These people don't care about Palestine. Where have they been for twelve years? Well, Bashar Assad killed four hundred thousand Syrian Muslims, right? Where were they when ISIS was murdering Yazidis, Christians, and Muslims throughout their caliphate, right? This crap about I suddenly care deeply about the Palestinians. They don't. They don't give a shit about the quote unquote Palestinians. They hate Jews, and they finally have a reason where they're allowed to say it in public, and that's it. And enough of this nonsense. They've never—they weren't marching the streets about the Uyghurs who've been in prison for 15 years in China. They don't care about the Gazans. And the one kid I did actually get to pause and think, which is which, kind of I thought his brain was going to explode. You keep talking about this open-air prison in Gaza. First off, it's not. It's big, it's open, it's spacious. Gaza City is dense, but predominantly it's not. It's 120 Uh, square miles. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It should be paradise. It should be Singapore and Dubai. It should be that. And the death cult made it awful. But beyond that, are you chasing Egyptian kids on college campuses? Like, there's, there's another border there that goes to Egypt. Never mind, there's an ocean where you get in a boat and go away. So this nonsense of, you know, people say open-air prison, and I give the left this, and I'll pause. I give the left this. They're really good at linguistics and linguistic imagery, right? So when they say Gaza is an open-air city, open-air prison, they realize that what people are seeing is New York City in the Snake Plissken movies. If you ever saw that, Escape from New York, where in a future dystopian future, there's walled off Manhattan, and they just shoved criminals in there, and that was it. There were no guards, that, right? Chaos, you know, gang warfare. That's what they. That's what people envision when they hear open-air prison. They think it's Snake Plissken in Escape from New York. It's not. It's a lovely beachside area that happens to be run by homicidal maniacs. That, that's right. Well, so we've got to a, a commercial break point, so we'll be back shortly. Everybody, please stay tuned. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back. This is Dr. Harvey Rich with Christopher Messina. We were just discussing 
the fake imagery that comes from basically the Marxist left, that Marxist, Marxism as a whole, for its almost its entire history, or at least from the 19-teens, from what I know of it, has used the misrepresentation of, of words and meanings and lies and, and all of this, fake images in theater, to because I think they recognize that for a dictatorship or a totalitarian system, theater is, is the most important um, public statement rather than the actual events absolutely and and that's why it depends on that it depends on them making you say things publicly that you are not that you know is a lie that's the entire effort that's why they need you people are wondering i'm sorry we got along with two genders perfectly fine for thousands of years why are there suddenly 97 according to the san francisco city council and what are they and why do i care and why most importantly am i being forced or they're trying to force me to use your individualized pronouns. Like it's all because their whole system depends upon forcing you to say stupid things that you know are stupid at the cost of you losing your livelihood. That's their entire project. And then they win. Then they control your thought. They control what you do. You control what you say. And those of us who fight back are fighting the right fight. So that's exactly what Sharansky says in his book that, under the the communist uh, totalitarian governments, approximately thirty percent are true believers, thirty percent are subversives who mm. know who they can talk to and who they can't, and 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 pass around some as dot, you know, the underground manuscripts and and yep. so on. And the forty percent in the middle are just trying to get along and are not so invested in either enhancing the government or in, in rebelling. Yeah. And that's kind of com- what we saw in COVID. Oh uh, yeah, as well. I'm in, I'm even impressed by that 30, 30, 60. I would say eight percent are true believers. Seventy percent just want to live their pardon me, live their lives. And a lot of the uh, and I, I find those 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 perceived percentages fascinating, right? But for yeah. for COVID insanity, sheesh. <laughs> well, so what's been interesting to me is seeing all the videos of the college kids who know nothing. They couldn't even tell you where Palestine is. No. They couldn't tell you which rivers are being mentioned. No. Those are some of my favorite videos when someone walks up and says, which river? And they go, what? Well, you're chanting from the river to the sea. Which river? What are you talking about? <laughs> they don't know. Right. They don't know. I know. Um, but why they are so righteous when they know so nothing, they know nothing. They yeah. have no idea that, as I've been saying for at least a generation, that the left is mired in slogans, that what they learn in college is not to debate and not to argue facts and points and logically, but slogans. You, yeah. ask, you ask them something and they say, you're an X, and they turn around right. and walk away. You know? Right. That's madness. But it was deliberate madness too. I mean, I'm you know obviously you know who Bill Ayers is right the the yeah. weather underground right. Yeah. Um. I have the good fortune of a a good friend of mine actually went to high school with Bill Ayers, and so you know Bill had he not had a very rich insurance executive daddy in Chicago would have gone to jail for his crimes. There's no doubt that that some of the bombs that he he created and planted probably killed people or hurt people. Um, but he managed to get off because of that, because daddy was rich and kept him out of prison. 
And uh, they were deliberate. He and his wife, Dorn, they went on to teach um, teach education. I love that. At the University of Illinois. And they modeled themselves after the Society of Jesus. They were The, the American left was very clear. They are going to infiltrate the schools and they're going to change the minds of generations. And what happened? We lost things like geography, math, history, right? Facts. You take geography, grammar, all that gone, replaced with social studies. And oh, that's all white people stuff. Grammar. What's that? That's all white people stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Even that I I the 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 culmination of their project to create a stupid underclass in this country of a rainbow of flavors is when someone said to me that, well, I don't know what it was, but it was on a kind of a podcast, and he said, you know, well, of course, math is racist white supremacy. I, I said, I said what? He said, oh, yeah, no, I mean, you, I'm not, you go, go Google it. You'll find dozens of so-called professors telling you that, you know, the fact-based logic in math is an expression of white supremacy and colonialism. My brain hurts. Right, it's just insanity. That is the. Why don't they just? Why doesn't somebody just ask them? Well, so let's see. Do you let your bank balance your your checking account or your savings right. account? Who in, who right. invented the ability to do that? Do you care about money? Do you care ab- about how much it costs to buy something? There you go, being logical. This isn't about logic. This is about de- decolonization. You see, it's only white men on the bill. So of course, that's right. White men on the bill, crazy. <laughs> so I, I I like to think. My perception of, of this, sort of the percentages of people paying attention and not, were honed during the Wuhan hysteria, um, where, as a uh, friend of mine uh, uh, was, on, was on my podcast, Brett Stevens, he wrote for the Wall Street Journal for years, yes. he writes the New York Times, we went to college together, known each other forever. So, and a brilliant writer, very smart man. You know, uh, I, know, I know him, I've read a lot of his right, you know, Right, great guy. But it was funny, on, on the show he said, I find this in some ways really disheartening, that Traditionally in America, the writers, the you know, uh, people who write books and articles, and that those are the people pushing the envelope. Now, every single book publisher in America has a sensitivity committee that reads every book. And I've got a mining executive who is utterly uncancelable. So it's delightful, at least, that someone's speaking up, right? But the 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 uh, the tools of the left, this cancel culture, you be careful what you wish for. Because this entire project we're pulling together is exact. It's cancel culture writ large. You gave us the idea. Thank you very much. I don't ever want to hire you if you were 20 years old marching on a campus screaming river to the sea because that's genocide. I don't never want to hire you. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you claim you learned. Don't care. I got other people to hire. Go flip burgers for someone who doesn't know what you said or doesn't care. That's how I look at it. Well, what bothers me more than the, the actual thing that they're espousing is their stupidity. That oh, yeah. If, if they are such a stupid person that they can't see the meaning of what they're saying, or they lie. I saw a video today of somebody saying, that doesn't mean getting rid of the Jewish people. It means oh. giving giving the Palestinians justice. Yeah, comes right out of the Hamas charter. Right, right. right. So, so, the, so the problem is make- they're, they're stupid. They're the no, of course, it's stupid. But the point, you know, bemoaning their stupidity is not helping. I always try to find a solution. In my own small way, doing a lot of these discussions is one of the things that we can do, right? And I just try to, if, to a lot of the kids, I try to drive this home. 
if you take nothing else away from this conversation, I want you to know that every war Israel ever fought from 1948 to today has been a defensive war that somebody else has instigated. I need you to understand that. And when it comes to the 1967 borders they whine about, I need you to think about it this way. If you are in a, back in that playground in, in junior high, the biggest bully on the schoolyard walks over to a kid half his size, tries to hit him and take his lunch money. Unbeknownst to the bully, this kid has been doing competitive karate for six years, beats up the bully, breaks his teeth, takes his money, and walks off. The bully picks himself up and goes to the principal, this would be the UN, and complains that he wants his money back. That's the 1967 borders. They took land from people who tried to kill them all and shove them into the ocean, and they made a career out of whining to the rest of the world that somehow their aggression, their attempt at genocide, and their loss, six countries couldn't beat one. Their loss is somehow should be reversed. Like I get a do-over. I get a I get a war mulligan. Well, right, right, <laughs> a war mulligan. I love that. That that nineteen forty eight was the same thing. That, yeah, same thing. thing. They were given more land. Didn't invade the Jordan. Palestinians were given more land in the partition plan, but they didn't take the land. No, they decided to kill Jews and they lost land. Are they ever going to learn? Is my question. No. Apparently not. No, apparently not. Because they have a belief system that doesn't let them. No, and and that's that is part of the problem. Yeah, but not all of them, and that's the hope. That's got to be the hope, right? Is that the people who love the Abraham Accords, the people that are delighted to have a direct flight between Tel Aviv and and Abu Dhabi? Like there is, I work in the region, right? These ancient hatreds that are actually not that ancient, ancient at all. Most of the people I work with don't care about this. They want to make a living. They want to buy a new car. They want to raise their kids. They want to go to the beach. They don't care a shit about Israel. They don't care the slightest. So there is hope, I think. I think there I is so. hope. I hope so. I see this more in the secular Muslim community than in the religious community. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a problem. This is why we spoke before about a, um, a Muslim reformation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you still have the I forget the name the the big university in in Cairo, um, the, their religious their religious universities with their top uh, religious interpreters still yep. putting out the same values of kill the Jews. Yep, you know, so you, you're not going to get anywhere un, until there's some realization at their level that this has not killing the Jews is not going to fix their society. That <laughs> their their cultural egotism is not going to fix their society. They're demanding by cultural ego to be exalted, and look at where uh, and where their societies are. Did they invent the cell phone that they used? Did they invent the car that they used? Did they invent right. the computer that they used? Did they and you know what did they invent themselves? That of the, all the things you that they gotta wonder. The right? Jews invented it, but what did they invent? But you got to wonder what's so fascinating too, and this is. It would be so wonderful people learn from history, right? Like there was a period, and this is what drives me nuts and all of us. Like there was a period a thousand years ago when they basically saved Western society. Everything we read, all the all the Greek manuscripts we read were not, are not the original Greek that we got from Greece. They're translations from the Arabic. That's right? right. So in Al-Andalus, like Spain was a paradise. No, it wasn't. Christians, Muslims and Jews all lived and worked together happily. No. Nope, that's a that's a myth. Well, they, 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 they lived together without killing each other. 
Yes. But, but there was still the dehimitude uh, under in Muslim yes. Spain. I, 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 when, I, when I say by a paradise, I mean it wasn't outright war. People have never gotten along. So that's, that's, that's not news. My, my level of paradise is, I think, a lot lower. Than Relative, you. yeah. <laughs> right. Relative, right? In terms of there was a fluorescence of culture. They weren't killing Christians and Jews just for fun, right? Um, and and, and, and contradistinction to the Barbary states that were busy raiding Christian yep. ships and taking them as slaves. So there's always been a bit of tension in the Mediterranean world. Um, but but there was a fluorescence in Baghdad, even when the you know the, when the Babylonian Talmud was written, there was a there was a period of peace and stability. That yes, every dominant culture always thinks it's better. They always demand things that people and the Jews have never been the dominant culture. They're always under a Christian ruler or a Muslim ruler, uh, except for the Khazars very briefly. But yeah, my point. Like and uh, Ethiopia for for seven hundred. Yes, and there's there's nothing inherently. My whole point is I'm trying to make is there's nothing inherently structural in Islam that requires a death cultist, annihilistic, millennialist approach to life. There just isn't. There are sects that love it, right? The Hamas and, you know, and the evil scumbags at Hamas. If the other point of any of these kids can recognize is these guys, there's just a write-up. They're like the, the, the top six or seven leaders living in Doha and Istanbul have like $12 billion between them, That's skimmed right. from the idiots in the West who have been giving them donations for years for the poor Gazans. They don't care about the Gazan people at all. And this massive propaganda campaign, how do we counter it? I mean, aside from facts, which apparently don't matter to these idiots, right? How do we put an end to this? Will it eventually college kids get bored of chanting on college campuses and go back to frat parties? Kind of curious. Probably. But I think one of the things that has helped quite well is Israel cutting off the power to Gaza. Yeah. And the Beautiful. fuel. Yep. Because that has limited the amount of Im fake imagery from getting out. I, I saw one fake broadcast of a, of a girl covered in red paint and they were wiping it all off pretending that she had been injured I, you know? and of course when they wiped it all off she was completely normal she got up happy and smiling you know and yeah. no injuries whatsoever no torn skin no, nothing straight out of wag the dog there's one guy who who's he, he reminds me of kind of this war's version of chemical ali from the baghdad war um rabbi shmuley who has got this funny instagram um uh, they he he get he had someone collate it all. So it's one actor, right? He's a tour guide in the West Bank, bitching about the Israelis, and then he's wounded. He's in a hospital, an MRI machine in Gaza somewhere. Priceless. Same guy. Doesn't even bother to shave. Same guy. Absolutely hilarious. And there's another one someone sent me, which I'm like, you can't believe this. It's it's a girl speaking perfect American English. Pretending to occasionally, I don't know, have what she thinks is a Palestinian inflection. They're like, please save me. I've done nothing wrong. My family's being bombed. I'm just a child. <laughs> Ridiculous. Not to minimize. And climate change. Climate change. Climate change. And climate change, too. You know, not to minimize the suffering. But the problem is that this is war. And no one ever asked the Allies in 1943 and 44 to stop bombing Dresden. Because the Germans started the war. You no, want, no, no. Don't start wars because the Germans bombed London. Right, exactly. Was, they you know. started it, and now we're going to finish it. And Israel is the only country in the world that has ever asked. 
to show restraint when its people are murdered. No other country. No U.S. had 3,000 people dying September 11th. We went to war for 24 years. No one asked us to show restraint. No one. I mean, it's just, it is madness. And so the only no, it's just raw is- political power. It's only raw political power. That This has no other explanation that certainly countries are not moral entities. And you can't expect them to be. But the question is, why does the U.S. not act in its own self-interest? And the answer to that is because the CIA has been controlling the U.S. since 1948 or whatever. And the CIA used to be meddling in every other country, but in the last decade has turned inward and started meddling in in the U.S., maybe with the rise of Trump. I don't know, maybe before. but, But the CIA has been behind so much of the damage of, of mm. bad policies that one even wonders how independent the presidency is at this point, whether we have just Manchurian presidents from, from now forward. Interesting theory. I would just say that gives them way too much credit. The CIA? Yeah. I oh, no. Uh, no. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's easier because the CIA is like a hydra that each, each one of its little groups is in, almost completely independent, has its little own organization, its own culture, it does what it wants. And, you know, if you get rid of one, then another one just takes its place. And I'm just suggesting like that's giving them way too much credit for efficacy and, su- and success of mission. Maybe. And yeah. I, you know, in some ways you get a paradox there because if it, we might sleep more comfortably if they were that good. I see. But we're going to take a break here. So let's we're going to take a commercial break and we'll be back very soon. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It works. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back. This is Dr. Harvey Risch with Christopher Messina. While we were talking about the CIA and so on, I want to return to something you said about people in Gaza, the Palestinian population in Gaza. Now, this has been bothering me for quite a while, and Alan Dershowitz wrote a column about this under the title of Counting Deaths in Gaza. And obviously, he was thinking along the lines of, first of all, you can't believe that anything that a terrorist organization puts out because it's obviously lying for its own benefit. But the his point was that there's a continuum of complicity in the population 
from innocent babies yep. to active terrorists, adults. Yep. And it's a continuum because the society, the Palestinian society in Gaza, is basically an industrial manufacturing plant of terrorists. Absolutely. That is, they train them from, society. From, from but they but they train them from school. The, yep. Their math, their their uh educational curricula books, they're, they're it's all filled with Jew hate. Yep. Uh, that the, the examples are are all antagonistic to Jews and smearing and, and negative yep. and insulting to Jews. Then they send them out in uh, you know in recess to play by giving them wooden guns to practice shooting Jews. Yeah, and then you know, at the, the topic of conversation every night at dinner is a, about how bad the Jews are, and how we're going to kill them when, when when we succeed. And and the parents don't take their kids out of school. They don't tell their kids that this is wrong. They don't protest to the schools. They're complicit in this process. And so what this does is it inculcates the highest of life's goal to be a martyr, killing while you're killing Jews. And and so the ones who are of, who fall for this suggestibility and propaganda become the terrorists, and the yeah. others just become wannabe terrorists that they can't quite bring themselves to do. And but the, but the point of this is that this is industrial manufacturing by the whole population, and the whole population is complicit in that process. Does that mean that they're all treated as terrorists, and you can just go about and start shooting them because you know because they were the ones who inflicted the war on Israel? Probably not. But on the other hand, they're not innocent either. They're just not innocent people that have no responsibility to what happened and to Hamas, its own existence. They elected Hamas. They elected Hamas in 2000. Maybe when they tried to unelect them, then Hamas just took over. So, But now, the surveys have now shown that more than 50% of the population would still elect them, would still vote for them. Yeah, but again, I, I wouldn't trust surveys made in a totalitarian state where giving the wrong answer gets you shot right so that's always a caution well if uh, half the people said something else i mean there's yeah no- i i know I, I still i don't I, i'm i'm not gonna i the i will to, alan's right on this and the fact the american taxpayer should be aware that we've been paying for this indoctrination through the un what is the permanent you know nonsense the, the palestinians are there the um, stuff yeah yeah, that horrible thing, right? So we've been paying for this crap, um, and that's absolutely true. I mean, the the I remember reading uh, uh, accounts of American soldiers and officers after World War II in Germany. I mean, from forty six until fifty, I mean, God knows how many years. Like they had basically re-education classes. Thank God there were no cell phones back then, or American liberals would have been whining, right? But every male between 10 and 25 and 30 was put in a classroom and taught why Hitler was an asshole, why Goebbels was lying to them, why it was all insane, why it was evil. And anyone argued that the the uh, the American troops had a very simple pedagogical technique. They just beat the living crap out of you until you eventually agreed that Hitler was wrong. And they did that for years, Right. So they had to change the mind and they did such a good job that they kind of robbed Central Europeans of their martial spirit. Right? They, they, in some ways, they kind of went a little bit too far, in my opinion. No, but, no, it's all the phthalates and, and, and plastic products that have cut everybody's testosterone by half. That, that was helpful. <laughs> so uh, that was helpful. So yeah, the problem in Gaza is a very serious one. And there's a reason why. 
you know, the, the Jordanians don't want them. And and it's it's it is a major headache, right? When I, I'm always happy to provoke um my antagonists by referring to them as the Fakistinians. And I don't mean that in any other way than there's no such thing as a Palestinian any more than there's such thing as an American, right? We exist. We're a group of people in a country that adhere to some set of norms. We've come from everywhere. We're Americans. But that's an important distinction because the Fakistinians, by claiming they're Palestinian, that means something that goes back hundreds of years, is a lie. There, there was never any such people. It never existed. So the Ottoman Empire fell apart, and the kids need to know this. The Ottoman Empire fell apart. The British had the mandate. They split it up into a partition between Arabs and Jews. The Arabs tried to kill all the Jews. There was never, ever, ever in all of history for five minutes a country called Palestine inhabited by people called Palestinians. So the entire lie of we're going to liberate Palestine, it never existed. There is nothing to liberate. It's important that the kids know that because they're being lied to all day long. It is true. The the name of the country Palestine was created by the Romans. By the Romans to piss off the Jews. Uh, it comes from the Hebrew. It comes from the name Plishtim or Plishtia. Yep, the Philistines. The, the, the Philistines who were Greek. gone from history. They are not today's Palestinians. The no, they were Greek. They, they they were they they were genetically Greek. The the Philistines, yep. the the Palestinians today. So genetic studies are the most informative. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all. The Palestinians are Arabs. They speak Arabic. Arab, yes. Arabic is spoken in Arabia, which is where they're from. Yep. Okay, second point. Genetic studies show that Ashkenazi Jews and Iberian Jews, Spanish and Portuguese Jews, and to some extent Moroccan Jews are, on the genetic map, indigenous to Israel. Mm-hmm. And the Palestinians are indigenous to Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and a little bit in Lebanon. And this means that you can identify where a person is from by doing a genetic analysis of their DNA. And um, it's very straightforward to do this. And it shows that the claim of indigeneity is completely backwards. The colonizers are the Palestinians. The Arabs in Israel are colonizers. The Jews are indigenous. Yep. And... Um, and that is and to the extent it matters, right? And that one of the important things I think is like to the extent it matters. Oh, I'm it does leaving, matter. I'm not leaving Florida, no matter how much the the Native Americans have a claim to this lovely piece of beachfront. So, it but the fight is so vicious in Israel because of that the, the historical claims, the ancient claims, um, but they're untrue. But but look, we're arguing theories. Yeah, because the left only listens to theories. So uh, the claim of who's the extent they listen to anything, <laughs> right? But but who's the, their theory is that Jews are colonizers? We should right. go back to Long Island or something, right? Right. The Massapequa with you all. <laughs> That's right. And so that the so either we're indigenous, and it is our country that we yeah. are, have returned to, or that you get the property because you want it in war. Right. There are only two ways. You're either indigenous or you want it in war. Okay. Well, if this happens to be true, we've done both in this instance. That is correct. And that's my point that you can't suddenly say war was okay until 1918 and then it wasn't. Right. Oh, yeah. No, but there's no logic. And there is absolutely no logic whatsoever. George Gilder puts it beautifully in the Israel test when he says that 
And this is what I try to bang home to, to again, the thick heads of these kids who eventually, hopefully some of them are teachable, right? Um, is you listen to the left, you listen to this woke nonsense. It's all about dividing people into groups. It's group guilt, group innocence, group victimhood, group, 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 group. And they butt right up against Judaism, which is the origin of the idea of individual responsibility. I refer you all to the Ten Commandments, right? And that's, whether they know it or not, whether these brain-dead zombies marching in Harvard know it or not, that is the root of the left's hate of Judaism. They hate Judeo-Christian culture, they hate Islam, with the logical they would also hate Islam if they knew anything. But right now they've got this vision that Muslims are victims, which is a bizarre idea. Um, but they, they hate it. They hate it. They hate the idea of the nuclear family. They hate the idea that God stepped into history and gave everyone a bunch of rules to live by. They hate all that. And they want to go to this purely materialistic lie about group responsibility and guilt. And so that, that fight right there, why all these kids are marching and screaming and why their professors are encouraging them in a bizarre way is because they don't want to take personal responsibility. There are no winners marching in these marches. Everyone's a loser who feels like someone else has done something to him or her. No winners are chanting free Palestine, not a one. That's an interesting observation. That's that's true. That these are all grievance people. Yep. I'm going to try to get, I, I can't achieve on my own merits. So right. I'm going to enter the competitive victim head stakes and prove that I'm a bigger loser than the other losers competing for the public dole. And I'm going to whine more and look more pathetic. And I'm going to get paid as a result. It's the, it's almost like the, the abomination of the untouchables in India a century ago who would maim their children to go begging. I mean, can I look more pathetic and awful to get a couple of pennies? It's ridiculous. So I think, that really the underlying motive there is one of, well, I can't get power because I'd have to work for 10 years and get an education and get a job and make a lot of money in order to get power. So instead, I'm just going to demand it. I'm going to come up yeah, with a take theory it. of guilting you into giving me power. Yeah. And insanely enough, they think somehow I'm going to give it to you. That's yeah, that's robbery. That, that's just robbery. Yeah, of course. Um, why, why do countries fight wars for, for economic reasons? Because it's easier to steal the resources than it is to develop them yourself. Right. And that's, that is, it's also the same, you put it beautifully there. That's also the fixed pie mindset. When they all go on and on about Israel took this. No, Israel, Jews showed up to the same piece of hard scrabble desert that other people had washed up on the shores of the Ottoman Empire for hundreds of years and had done nothing with. They caused the desert to bloom. They changed the way water was allocated. They created the technology. They created one of the most flourishing technological economies the world has ever seen out of nothing in 75 years. And that is what drives these people crazy. Because instead of sitting around whining about, well, someone was mean to my grandmother years ago, and therefore I'm a loser. No, whatever happened, yes, these people, you know, as, as I explained to my Christian friends that pretty much every Jewish holiday is they tried to kill us, they failed, let's eat, right? So you got this entire structure of knowledge is what matters, thought is what matters, ideas are what matter, work is what matters, because, A, you all stopped us from owning land, you all stopped us from doing anything but things that we could do with our own brains, and now... You know, I remember the, the Koreans, the South Korean government had the Talmud translated into Korean. 
to the extent that you can, right? <laughs> because they looked at it and said, well, the Jews are so good at inventiveness and hard work and entrepreneurship and commitment and family and all that. Well, maybe it's hidden in their books. So they translated the Torah, not the Christian Bible. They translated the Torah and the Talmud into Korean. I love that. I love that. I love, love science. That. I love it. <laughs> Is that great? Yes. <laughs> so well, that's have it. Have any of them converted to Judaism harder. yet? What's that? Have any of them converted to Judaism yet? In effect, they have. <laughs> if you've got someone that's got a deist worldview and there's a there's a, a god behind every walk, a walk behind every rock, why not? Sure, we got one. I mean, the South Koreans are pretty industrious and, and very. Oh. Yeah, and this was implemented. This is implemented in the '60s. This is not a new thing. This is an idea they came up with, and it seems to work pretty well, right? Fine honed argumentation. Dialogue, arriving at a truth, no answers ever sufficient. Keep looking for new ones. That is what drives creativity. Is what drives hard work. And mm -hmm. the very fact that um, these professors teach these kids that America's best days are behind us, and it's all downhill from here, and we're going to be fighting over scraps. Well, you know, sixty percent of Silicon Valley billionaires were born in another country. They. People born in other places know how great this is. You mean I can come here and I can work and some some government official just doesn't take my stuff? There's a patent office that actually protects my intellectual property. There are investors who will invest money in me and my plan for a minority stake, not 99% and demand that I bow to them. That is that is constant around the world, except for America. And it is a it is an ongoing shame that we have to reverse that leftists decided to borrow themselves into higher education and teach kids that life sucks it's unfair you're a victim other people did mean things to you this is your life kid you have one life if you're gonna waste it whining and crying because someone was mean to someone who looked like you 100 years ago that's your life enjoy it's gonna suck have fun doing it or you can work you can try to do something productive I don't know. I this this generation doesn't want to work very much. People Some are do. It's self-selecting. Some do. Yeah, and those true. who do are going to do well. And true. those who don't are going to sit around and whine and cry and go right ahead. It's your life. Enjoy. Well, you know, the problem is getting them to see it before it's too late, before they've, they've used up their, their youthful resources. Yeah, it's a tough one. But there are plenty of hardworking kids. I got to say, the one thing I, I find is fascinating, because I've grown up in New York, went to the University of Chicago, Right, my 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 second choice is Yale. <laughs> right, I, no, I did my graduate work in Chicago. Right, exactly. Everyone, and so there's there's a lot to that that social that social environment in the in the northeastern states that it's very normative. The parents are very competitive. Where's your kids going to college? Right. Um, we moved down to Central Florida and um, found out a few things. One, uh, New York's not America. Uh, two, uh, Florida, much like Texas, is its own country. Texans yell about it more, but Florida is its own country, and we. Well, Florida's got actually Florida is actually two countries. South Florida is one country. It's more like New York, yes, uh, with a the the whatever, and and then North Florida is more like Georgia, and uh, you know, and Alabama and whatever. It's the it's the deep South, but it's still different than those. It's still it's 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 a state that deliberately rewards excellence. So Florida wide. 
unlike New York, which subsidizes failure, right? We're going to throw more money at the kids. We're dropping out. We're going to throw more money at the juvenile delinquent because maybe we can save them. Fucking put them in jail. Who cares? That's his life choice. In Florida, if you succeed as a student, any student, any high school student, you get top-notch grades, you're going to a Florida school for free, right? They encourage and reward excellence and hard work. And so my daughter, who could easily have gone to my alma mater, could have chosen to go to an Ivy League, is going to a phenomenal uh, school in Florida, State College, State University, that statistically, because of all the Wuhan insanity and everything, statistically now is harder to get into on a numerical basis than Harvard. Because all these northern parents who are like, Florida is the only state that didn't close, mm-hmm. I'm going to send my try to send my kids there. So she's getting a phenomenal education at a place that I wouldn't have considered applying to 25 years ago. And it's a fantastic school that has had rich donors pour enormous amounts into the faculty's top notch. The kids are really great. Uh, and I can see it in the in the eyes of some of my friends up north who are like, oh, she's... You know, All right, so get me a teaching appointment there. <laughs> it's easy. I'll get you in, charge, in front of the dean. Yeah. But my point is things change, right? And that the the... Sort of the sort of there's always they're always shifting sands and shifting status symbols and all the rest of it. But for those who want to work hard, I see I, I'm encouraged by the kids I see in Central Florida. A lot of them work really really hard. And the school last point on this not a, not a booster for Florida, but the rationality of unlike in, in New York and Long Island where they assume everyone's going to go to college. Well, half the kids are going to go study your gym athletic education at a, at a state school, which is fine, but they really need that, right? Whereas here, if you're a kid in high school, good with your hands, you're smart, but you don't really love sitting in class, right? Um, there are like 20 different certificate programs where you could graduate with a certificate in um, you know, water engineering and go right into a $60,000 a year job at the water utility. Yeah. And now you're a productive citizen at 18, and you may, maybe you'll go get an associate's later, but like there's a life path for you that's successful and rewards hard work that isn't tied to this arbitrary four-year degree. And if more of the country did that, I think you know more kids would think that there's something they can do. Just I theory. think you're right, and I think that would would benefit the indoctrination problem as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, no one is telling the kid in the water purification class that he's a victim because of white supremacy. Well, and right. And water purification is racist. It's white racist. Water purification. Who wants pure water? Just listen to it. What right. is it defined as white water? Right. So, right. I mean, all of that crap. And it's an echo chamber predominantly, right? Yeah. A lot of it is Fox News manufactures rage out of listening to the the dingbatist of the dingbat leftist professor who gives one stupid extreme talk somewhere. Yeah. And the same thing on, on MSNBC. They'll find one raging nutcake. And like, well, this is what Republicans believe. Like, really? That's fascinating. I had no idea I believe something that insane. (laughs) Well, anyway, we're actually out of time. So I've loved this. Uh, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this discussion. And if you have questions for me, please send them to uh, americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. So, Chris, thank you so much. This has been a uh, really Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And please come back next week. Bye.